We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now this the black sheep sticking it to him. I need a crib like I'm Gatsby. I need it in hand. Just understand my pockets that deep. With nothing to prove, I ain't got nothing to do. And it can't compete, and I got nothing to lose. Ah, uh, yes. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum, the number one sports betting vibe on the internet. I'm your delightful host, Nick Dayus. At Nick Dayus 10, as you can find me, all things Veterans Minimum are at Veterans Minimum. We have a jam-packed show. We got a lot to get into, and I want to bang out these ad reads and the Patreon before we get going. So let's give a shout out to the members of the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash veteransminimum. As you can see right here on the screen, as my guy Brian pulls it up in the control room, for one American dollar a month, you guys could contribute to the Patreon and the growth of the Patreon. We are currently at 80 members trying to get to 100 by the Super Bowl. That was the goal. So for a dollar a month, you can help drive those numbers up. We have the rookie contract for $5 a month. You get access to the betting picks, the Discord, $10 a month, the monthly giveaway. $20 a month, you get the shout-outs. You get merch on discount from the merch store, merchandise.veteransminimum.com, cheap plug. And then the $40 tier, you guys know the vibes. You are a crazy SOB, but we appreciate you all for the contributions if you are in the Supermax. And with all that, we got to do the roll call to the members of the Patreon that are in the tiers that we mentioned. Kicking us off is... Mahul Patel, Abel Rezin, Ben Kotsian, Christopher Velasquez, Derek Plates, Dylan Chadwick, Jerry Shapiro, Jordan Riley, Mike Stevens, Mike Wozniak, Nick Crummich, Thomas Robinson. While we're here with the Patreon, I need the following people to hit me up. Derek Plates, Christopher Velasquez, Mahul Patel. Mahul pledged for the entire year in the $40 tier. So I got to get the merch out to you. I haven't forgotten. And then Christopher Velasquez and Derek Platees, you guys just surpassed the $1,000 donation all time to the Patreon. And that's fucking wild. We got to be honest, that's crazy. And I appreciate it so much. You guys have helped a lot with the contributions to the Patreon. So going to send you guys a merch bundle within the next couple of weeks. Hopefully it gets there before the Super Bowl. And the last read we need to do is for the lovely folks over at Fly Me Out. 
Fly Me Out scouts and curates trips to some of the world's most exciting locations. Those who join only need to purchase their slot. They take care of everything else. Legends, do you ever feel the urge to break away and discover the world with a like-minded tribe? Let me introduce you to Fly Me Out, the premier social travel club. Imagine if LinkedIn, Airbnb, Raya had a travel-loving baby. Whether you're looking to network with professionals on a beach or bond with creatives in the heart of a city, Fly Me Out has got you covered. Dive into curated experiences with their platform. It's never been easier to find your tribe and see the globe. Don't just travel. Make memories with Fly Me Out. Head over to the app. Download the app. Use the promo code VM1 for expedited application review. They'll see that you're a legend and a fan of the show. They will speed up that process for you. It's Fly Me Out. Download the app. Promo code VM1 for expedited application review. Oh, I nailed that entire read, baby. Let's dive into the NFL. We got wild card round weekend this week. We got some crazy matchups, crazy storylines. And joining me now. My dog, my guy, still has not put anything in the background in his room, though we light him up every time he joins the call. He is not locked up, ladies and gentlemen. He's in his house, safe and sound. Alan Sterk, everybody. <laughs> Listen, the Falcons got me locked up right now. Right now, I can't invest time into painting because I'm on coaching search duty slash covering one of the bigger disappointments from the NFL this season, so... Uh, once the Falcons have given me a break, I'm going to go shopping and get some delightful art. Bro, bro, did you see the video I tagged you in about the Falcons? I'm pro, I'm a pro Falcons guy, bro. I think it's the best available job right now of all the available jobs in the NFL. I, th I think personnel wise, I would totally agree. My main concern is like they've had two wins in the last decade and uh, two winning seasons, excuse me. And I just think how they've handled the situation, it which is a huge cause for concern. So they had their uh, post, uh, I'm not going to call it postseason because that wouldn't make sense, but their final season press conference. And it was just Arthur Blank and Rich McVeigh. And what was bizarre about it was the general manager, Terry Fontenot, was not there. Usually when a, an organization does final press conference for the season, a GM is there. And just the way they've been going about it, it just seems like the GM is getting kind of faded out. And then you have Rich McVeigh, who's like a CEO that has been kind of out of touch in a way. And I don't want to speak too negative on him because he's always treated me well when I've met him. But he's just not someone that's overly engaged with the NFL operations, yet he's still someone calling a lot of the shots. So I have questions about the Falcons' infrastructure at the moment. So that's why I wouldn't be overly thrilled about the role. Meanwhile, in Washington, getting Bob Myers and Chris Spielman to – do some work in terms of getting the best candidate and helping clean up things over there. They were talking about Bob Myers, how influential he was with the Warriors and Chris Spielman, a highly decorated former player and great commentator. I don't know, man. Um, I'm very intrigued by Washington and I would put them over Atlanta. You're bringing a basketball guy for NFL stuff? Yeah, why not? In terms of finding like, the best candidate, because Josh Harris comes from NBA communities. He runs the Sixers. Sixers, yeah. So I think it's yeah, so in terms of amount of just finding the right leader, building the right talent, building the right culture, um, you know, Myers isn't going to be responsible for finding personnel, but just a matter of, you know, looking at who's the best coaching candidate out there and just figure out what are the best executives and scouts to put this team in a position to get the right talent around. Because if any organization needs a cultural revamp, we know it's Washington. 
Oh, I mean, dude, we could dedicate a whole month to Washington and all the shit show that that's been since we've been alive <laughs> in comprehending and understanding football. Um, I just think, like, you know, I already made my case for Atlanta on the Monday show. If you guys haven't checked that out, we did the coaching firings and the best available job. I just think, like you said, man, the personnel, I think the division. Yeah, absolutely. I think the fact that they have a top mm-hmm. 10 pick and there's a couple of quarterbacks that could be intriguing. And then if you think about it, if you, you do get one of these quarterbacks, which most likely I think Atlanta definitely gets a quarterback this offseason, uh, even though Desmond Paul Crew Ritter, uh, the nickname that he has on this show from the longest yard, um, I think I think it's a very appealing job. And you hit on one of these quarterbacks, and then you'll have the luxury of not paying all these other guys whose contracts are going to be coming up. So maybe you could be on some crazy, like, you could be on some, like, Bengals-type run, right, where you're not paying Burrow yet. And I know some of the receivers haven't gotten paid, but I think that could be really, really intriguing, man. And then the last thing, obviously, the division is just a a mess, right? Like, what's the worst job is Carolina. It's there to be taken. Yeah, the worst job yeah. is Carolina. Who knows what's going to happen with the Saints, Baker and the Bucks. It's been a really cool story. We'll touch on them in a little bit. But, yeah, I just think I'd be optimistic, bro. I'd rather be Atlanta than the Giants, like, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, as much respect I have for Dable, I think Falcons personnel-wise is set nicely. I, oh, look, yeah. I like the roster. The reason why this Falcons season has been such a costless point is because that roster is ready to compete. It's just obviously they're missing the most valuable position in sports and coaching let them down. Hence why Arthur Smith isn't there anymore. Uh, I'm just looking at more, I don't know, are they going to be able to find the right coach? Because mm. it's, it's been missing. And yeah. we know how much coaching matters in this league. You know, look at the Titans with Mike Vrabel. Um, that organization elevated big time when they got Vrabel. We're talking about from 2019 to 2021, they were one of the premier teams in the AFC. And it's hard to have that kind of longevity in the AFC, and they did it. And with no quarterback in comparison to the other guys that he had to deal with. Like, let's be honest, man. Mm-hmm. Like, he was going in there and making AFC title games and winning divisions with Ryan Tannehill. Everyone knows Mike Vrabel, in my opinion, pound for pound best coach. To use the MMA analogy, pound for pound best coach in the NFL. For the roster that he had, mm. he overachieved uh-huh. every single year, bro. Uh, look, I'm a, I love Rabel as much as this person. Um, I don't know if he's the best coach, but in terms of what he built there, absolutely. He's yeah. one of those coaches where, similar to a Mike Tomlin, similar to a Dan Campbell, like when players say I'm going to run through a wall for him, they're literally going to run through yeah, a wall yeah, yeah. for him. And even this year was such a below average roster. Like they beat Miami and say what you want about Miami. Like it's still that Tennessee team had no business being the Dolphins. You know, they embarrassed the Jaguars. So, like, this team still managed to find ways to overachieve. And um, ultimately, I think just from reading reports, the long-term vision just didn't fit. Rabel's a bit stubborn where he just wants to compete now, while Tennessee, I think they realize they're in a two, three-year rebuild, kind of like the Cardinals. So ownership and coaching the CII, and they went their separate ways. I think Tennessee still will probably regret it. But uh, if your head coach wants to compete now and he's not understanding that you need a bit of a rebuild job, then – I don't know. Philosophies don't match up, and we gotta go the separate ways. But now Mike Rabel's the man, and whoever gets the ooh, it's gonna be exciting. Oh yeah, without a doubt, man. And I think you don't need to look too far if you are a Tennessee Titans fan. You could just stay in the division. You could look at how quickly a team could rebuild. Um, you saw it twice over the last couple of years. It happened, right? The Jaguars went from having the worst pick in the draft to winning the division the next year. 
And then you saw the Texans do the exact same thing this year, which leads me into what we're going to do here for the playoffs. And I'm really excited for this episode because we're going to make a case for and against every team to win the Super Bowl while breaking down the matchups that we're going to have. So we're going to start with the Houston Texans at home, two and a half point underdogs to the Cleveland Browns. Before we get into the actual matchup, Alan, give me a case for the Texans to win the Super Bowl this year. They have one of the most in-command quarterbacks, one of the most confident quarterbacks, someone who you want to talk about literally can make all the throws. It doesn't matter how much the pocket is collapsing. C.J. Stroud could literally do it all. And I think when you have a quarterback that's just operating at such a high level with a great play call at Bobby Slowick and an organized defense, it's just Houston checks a lot of the boxes. I know they're a little banged up, but this is a team that's not going to go away lightly. They're going to be competitive. And when you have a quarterback that is just – he's just – processing perfectly right now and there's nothing that could really stop him and you know he's not going to put the team at disadvantage and that goes a long way in the NFL so you know that quarterback and the coaching staff and a good young fearless unit why not they can make a run yeah and if you're watching this on the YouTube channel youtube.com slash veterans minimum when you said Bobby Slowick I kind of got a little little animated because I, th- I think their offense changed when they lost Tank Dell, and it also kind of coincides with Singletary starting to become a feature back for them. I agree with you that the reason why the Texans can win the Super Bowl is because I, I think right now, at this very moment, C.J. Stroud is a top seven to eight quarterback in the NFL. And all things considered, th- this was a matchup that we saw earlier Right, This was the Amari Cooper, got a lot of people into fantasy championship games with this 260-something yards. That he, oh, you? Myself yeah? Cool. Okay, okay. So, Good times. Yeah, the case for the Texans is that C.J. Stroud, yeah, he's a rookie, and there's a, there's a crazy trend, you know, 38% against the spread, first-time starters in the playoffs. And we have a couple, one featured in this game right here with C.J. Stroud. So the case for him is that C.J. Stroud is a top eight quarterback right now, in my opinion. The case against is Bobby Slowick in this offense. I think Cleveland can suffocate them, especially with no tank Dell. Nico Collins has been an unbelievable. Like, he was on my fantasy team, got me to the championship. And I think he was one of the best, like, ADP draft picks by far. Like, dude was going crazy. And I think that... Cleveland can scheme up to take him away. And then what do you do if you're CJ Stroud and the Texans? Like, how can you move the ball? That's why I think it's going to be an issue for them in this game in particular and moving forward, why I think they can't win the Super Bowl. Agreed. Yeah. The offense line looks a little shaky. And like we know all about Greg Williams. Greg Williams. <laughs> Excuse me, Cleveland. Jim Schwartz. Yeah. They just blitz so much. That's why I get them confused. But Jim Schwartz, we know how much he brings pressure in. To me, the Browns have the most complete edge rusher in the league, so they could definitely. Look, we've seen them terrorize offensive lines and destroy game plans. You know, they're one of the few teams to beat the Niners this year, so uh, we we know what the Browns can do. So I'm 100 percent with, with you there. Now, on the flip side with the Browns, I think the reason why they can win the Super Bowl is because of their defense and because of the experience Joe Flacco brings to the table. 
And it's crazy to think that, bro, he's been bad for four and a half years now. Like he was bouncing around. At one point he was like one and nine straight up in games. And, you know, he had his tenure with the Jets and all that, but he's got a second win. It's been, it's been the feel good story of the year has been Flacco with this Browns team. Stefanski coach of the year if he doesn't get it. You know, I, I was really thinking D'Amico Ryans. I was even thinking Sean McVay, right? If you think of the expectations going I, into I the year. Right, you think of the expectations going into the year, and then, like, bro, look at the Rams roster. Like, we were talking about on the on the preview show how outside of Stafford, Cup, and Donald, I think they only have six guys from the team that won the Super Bowl back, and it, you didn't know anyone. Like, no one knew Puka. No one knew Turner. The, you know, Durant in the secondary four, like yeah. young, young guys. And, and I think, yeah. <clears throat> I think what Flacco was really interesting about him is, dude, him and Eli Manning, bro, these guys come January, Patriot fans didn't want to play them. Right. Uh, uh, the Packers didn't want to play Eli uh, team. You know, the Steelers didn't want to play Joe Flacco. Like these two guys and Flacco in particular, the most nonchalant quarterbacks. And I think his experience and the confidence that he's playing with right now, look, he's still going to turn the ball over. He's done it a lot so far this year too. That goes under the radar because they have been winning, but I think parlaying the defense and him together is a reason why I think the Browns can win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree with all that. And Swan mentioned, I think coaching plays a huge part of this. Kevin Stefanski's, to me, he's been one of the best play callers for years now. And I think what helps is he's an understudy of Gary Kubiak. And Gary Kubiak was the Ravens OC and during Flacco's best years. So I think that's why they complement each other. So as awkward as those bootlegs are to left, Flacco's just comfortable doing that. And you know, they use heavy play action. They use a lot of... Uh, six, seven-man protections, and it just gives Flacco a clean pocket. Because let's not forget, the Browns are, like, on their third, fourth tackles. Like, they've lost both their tackles for a year. Like, they have backups now. As nasty as the interior line is with Batonio and Wyatt Teller, their tackle situation is rough, but Stefanski knows how to compensate for it. And and Joku's really stepped up. I think he's not just as a block, but after the catch. I don't know if there's many tight ends there after a catch in Joku. He is ferocious. He is tough to bring down. And Flacco loves targeted tight ends. So they're just really meshing well offensively. We know how good the defense is, but I think the Browns are going to make a Super Bowl run. You just think Stefanski, I think he's just going to outcoach a lot of people, and he's been doing it all season. Yeah. the the You're right about the offensive line because in my notes here, the reason why I think they can't can't win the Super Bowl is for as great as we think their offensive line is, like coming into the year. And just like the last couple of years, we've been saying how the strength of this team is the offensive line. The offense sack plus turnover margin is the highest of any team in the NFL. And I think a lot of that has to do with the injuries on the offensive line, like you mentioned. But at least for this matchup, I think they're going to be fine. Look, the Browns are 30 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. The Texans are 70 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Um, if you do think the Browns could go on a miracle run, and if you go chalk and this is your only upset based on the seeding, I think you got to bet the Browns now, even though I, I don't agree on that long-term play and investment. But I think for this week, I'm on the Browns, I think, rather comfortably. I just can't see how the Texans can keep this game close. I, you know, the, wow. the Browns' defense, 
the secondary is unbelievable. Um, I don't think it gets enough credit for how good the secondary is with Newsom and, and with Ward. And because like, obviously Garrett gets all the attention and he's, you know, he's minus 300 to be defensive player of the year. So he's probably going to win that. But man, that secondary is fast. That's why, that's why every Ravens fan I know is like scared to shit about that potential matchup. And obviously you have the Flacco dilemma in there too. But I think for this week, man, it's just going to be hard for the Texans to put up points. I think they're going to take away Nico Collins, who's been a big play threat for them. And I hate using these kind of analogies and these kind of takes where you know, they're playing with house money. Like they, they clearly overachieved the Houston Texans this year. And you're thrilled if you're a Texans fan. I don't like saying that, but I think it does stop here. I think I think the Browns win. I think the Browns are a very trendy pick. Like if you're looking at the betting splits here, Alan, you have the pros and the Joes on the Browns at minus two and a half. 65% of the tickets are coming in on the Cleveland Browns, 69% of the money. And again, if you're if you're listening to this or you're seeing this clip, a way to differentiate where the professionals are and where the public is, tickets always are associated with the public money is always associated with the professionals and they're both on the same side, which tends to be a nightmare for sports books and casinos when you have both rooting for one side. So clearly tell that the Texans are going to be what the, the sports books are going to need like a 21, 20 Browns win. Allen would be amazing for the sports books. I don't think that happens. I think they win by double digits. Wow. Uh, this was the toughest game for me to predict. I think the Saturday oh, games are yeah? extremely difficult. But yeah, I think you're severely sleeping on the Texans. Uh, first thing, that pass rush, when they get Jonathan Greenyard healthy, who I think got like eight sacks this year, him and Will Anderson, they're going to push the pocket. They're going to give those tackles problems. And then even guys like Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankins, like Houston's D-line gets after it. And we look, we all know Flacco is very mobile. And even though as great as it's been for Flacco, I think he's third and most turnover-worthy throws since – his emergence. So he puts the ball in harm's way and Houston's secondary is opportunistic. We know about Stingley. I think Jimmy Ward's been a solid addition. Jalen Petrie's a playmaker. I really like this Houston defense. I think they're going to learn their lesson of you know, not, they probably will have Stingley shadow Cooper because there's no way D'Amico Ryan's even, he's going to learn his lesson. I I'm a full believer in D'Amico Ryan's. I love Cleveland's roster. I think they're going to cause turnovers as well, but Houston's getting healthy now, even without tank Dell. And look, they can't replace the tank, though. There's nobody on their roster can. But getting good complementary pieces like Noah Brown, Robert Woods back, I think it's going to be important to them. Uh, this game will also come down to turnovers uh, just because of Cleveland's defense. They're going to force a lot. They've done it all season, and we know how turnover-prone Flacco is. But I'm just riding with the quarterback. I'm riding with C.J. Stroud. I think the scheming, they're going to scheme Nico Collins, get him up on a few of those like crossers on play action. It's tough, like, because I really like this Browns team. But something about Houston with that opportunistic defense and CJ Stroud, I'm going to ride with them. It's going to be a very close game, but ultimately, I am going with Houston. Yo, listen, you bring up a fascinating point, and it's something I always harp on, more so in the divisional round, but it, it applies to the wild card round, too. I think in the playoffs, you will be really successful, whether it's this year, next year, 10 years from now, if you just blindly take the better quarterback. If you take the better quarterback. Now, we're not talking about legacy and accolades. Who's playing better right now at this very moment? 
I think you could do really well in the playoffs. It's been a theory of mine for years. I'll just take the better quarterback. If I happen to get the better head coach and they're at home, oh, I don't need no blue chew, bro. I'm feeling it on my own. You know what I'm saying, Alan? So to, to, to all that, though, I'm kind of sound hypocritical leaning on the Browns because I do think C.J. Stroud is the better quarterback in this matchup. However, I'm going to stick to my guns and I'm going with Cleveland. It's a 50-50 game. I think this is a very compelling matchup. I'm surprised it's not getting more buzz, maybe because it's just two teams that have kind of defied the odds this year and aren't really contenders, but I think this is an excellent matchup. Let's move on over to the other game on Saturday, which I agree with you, man. I think the Saturday games are way more difficult for me to... Um, I mean, I just said that the Browns are going to win by double digits, right? So I guess not. But yeah, that's why I'm. I'm very. You're very definitive about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now that one, I am. This one, I don't know what to do with this one. And I think oh, it's tricky. This one is. This one is difficult, bro. And if you start factoring in the winds and how cold it's going to be in Kansas City, the trends are not good. Even going back to the 1970s for the Miami Dolphins when they play in freezing. I don't know why I'm doing air quotes, but freezing temperatures under 32 degrees this team is not good in the playoffs. Uh, you're talking about like 90% of the games they lose when it's in this kind of weather. Now, granted, it's not all the time. You know, they, it's not a team like new England. That's in the playoffs every year for the last 20 some years, but it's not a trend. And even Tua, you know, he's Hawaiian. He hasn't done well in cold weather too. He didn't play in the Buffalo game last year. So we're not sure how he's going to do. In, in frigid temperatures like that with Kansas City. Now, here's the thing, right? You're looking at this game. It opened at minus three. It's up to minus four and a half. And I think a lot of that has to do with the weather. And I think more so the injuries that Miami has coming in. Like, Alan, who has, who's hobbling worse into the playoffs than them right now, the Miami Dolphins? Oh, it's a nightmare. It's not even, you can't even have a discussion. It's them. Right. And they've lost even more after a Buffalo game. Like Jerome yeah. Baker is a huge loss linebacker. And like they've already had issues at edge rush. And I lose Van Ginkle, who's like their relentless motor hustle guy. Like, oh man, like poor Melvin Ingram's now out there. Like he just got off the couch like three weeks ago. And now you have him dropping the coverage trying to stop Dalton Kincaid. It's like, ah oh, man, it, it's it's very disheartening because I think this Dolphins team when healthy is a top five team and are the legit Super Bowl contender. Bro, absolutely. I'm with you. When they're healthy and they're buzzing, they could be anybody any given Sunday. But I always mention this story around this time of year. And it's really important to remember. When I went to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 46 in Indianapolis, I remember the guy from the New York Giants that I got my Super Bowl tickets from. He asked me, how do I feel about this game? And I was like, ah, oh, I'm really nervous. You know, New England. Are we going to beat him again in the big game? He's like, dude, we're going to be fine. You know why? I'm like, why? He's like, our week one roster that we put out, the 53-man roster, 52 of them are active. The only guy not playing is, like, the backup right guard, which, remember, the Giants during the, the late 2000s, early 2010s had a phenomenal offensive line, right? Like, I feel like the O-line doesn't Snee. get enough. Yeah, Snee, O'Hara, uh, Soiber, the McKenzie, like, they don't get enough love because the D-line was, like, the NASCAR package and all that shit. But that always resonated with me, man, this time of year where I don't think it's the hottest team going in. I really feel it's the healthiest team going in. And with the Dolphins, it's just not them. And I think the case against them 
is exactly that. Their injuries are piling up at the worst time of the year. All their big injuries happen Thanksgiving and after. Phillips, Chubb, Baker, Van Ginkle, Howard, Waddle, Tyreek is limping around. Like, these are these are Mostert. big. Mostert, right? Dude led the league in touchdowns. There was like a top three guy in, in scoring touchdowns. So that's the case against them if you're a Miami Dolphins backer. And also, dude, like, they haven't proven it against anyone good. One in five against playoff teams. Only the Giants Let's and Commanders. Let's give the Dallas one credit. Yeah. That was a good one against Dallas. That was. That was. I, yeah. I also feel like they should have lost that game seven different times. But that was just no. classic Dallas. Like, I still can't believe Tony Pollard didn't score a touchdown. His entire body's in the end zone. And it's like, yeah. bro, I also had Tony Pollard anytime touchdown. So that's why I still remember it. And I'm still salty. But look, dude, only the Giants and the Commanders had a worse point differential than the Miami Dolphins against playoff teams this year. Mm-hmm. So they don't play well against good competition, which brings me to the case with the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs, this line, like I said, minus four and a half Allen, 58% of the bets are coming in on the Kansas City Chiefs right now. 50-50 split on the money. Um, Because this Dolphins offense, if it does hit, could always like backdoor cover. I don't trust either of these teams. It's a really hard matchup for me because like, the case against Kansas City, bro, is the receivers. Like, you know, how many, how many drop third downs am I going to see from them? How many just... O-line's not playing well either. O-line is... Yeah. Underwhelming. That's a Juan Taylor contract. Oh. oh, It's been rough. It's been rough. Yeah. Yeah. So, with, with the Chiefs, the wide receivers, they cost them games. And also at the worst times, right? It's fourth down. Uh, sorry, it's it's the fourth quarter. This this third and seven, if it gets converted, the the other team doesn't get the ball back, and then Tony drops it, or or MVS drops it. Tony lines up offsides, whatever it might be. So I know I've been saying a lot. How do you feel about this game? And and give me like a case for give me a case for Miami because we didn't really give a case for Miami. Uh, case for Miami is I think they still have one of the best coaching staffs um, since I think November. Vic Fangio has done an excellent job. And you even saw in the Buffalo game because Vic Fangio is more known for playing that too high cover shell and he doesn't really blitz a lot, but he recognized against Josh Allen, I need to bring more pressure. And it led to an interception. It led to several uh, pressures that Josh Allen looked uncomfortable with. So I think Vic Fangio has proven his case once again as one of the best defensive play calls. And look, we know McDaniel the magic that he could create. So I think the case for Miami is they still have a lot of premium talent. They still have on both sides of the ball players that could totally change the game. We know especially Tyreek is Waddle gets healthy. He can make a huge difference. And defensively, like I love Christian Wilkins. He's playing at all pro level. Oh, yeah. They John Ramsey's really turned it up since he's came back. So they still have premium talent and guys that could win a game. So I think that's what you hold on to is the coaching staff and the star power. I agree with you. I think the case for the Kansas City Chiefs is pretty obvious. But you know what, man? Listen, they're the the defending champs. Not just as Super Bowl champs, they're the defending AFC champ. And, you know, if there's anything that I took away from that Netflix documentary quarterback that featured Pat Mahomes, it was he kind of has that Jordan mentality of he'll find a way to amp himself up even more. Like, obviously, we know that's the playoffs, but 
Dude, have we ever been less confident in a Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Kelsey team heading into the playoffs? No, it's the worst team by far. By far, right? Which brings yeah. me to my absolute favorite, maybe favorite bet of this weekend. And if I could get an ISO cam here, that'd be fantastic. I think, bro, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs have been saving Travis Kelsey. And they are going to unleash him this week. I know it's been bad, but this is where you want him to go crazy. And I'm predicting 10 for 100 and a touchdown. And you could get a same game parlay right now of Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown, Travis Kelsey over 100 yards, Travis Kelsey over 10 receptions, 11 to 1, plus 1,100. Dude, for as bad as it's been, I think now they know that it's gut check time. And if they want to have any success, it got to be because him and Mahomes are clicking on all cylinders. And then who knows what happens to the rest of this offense if them two do. You don't feel confident in that at all. No. I understand the game was very early for you, but if you watch that Germany game, the whole game plan was dictated on stopping Travis Kelsey. They double teamed her repeatedly, and this is without Jalen Ramsey. Now they have Jalen Ramsey there. Big Fangio, remember those Denver defenses? They gave Mahomes a ton of problems. It's just the Denver offense was incompetent. But some of Mahomes' subpar games when Vic Fangio's the coach of Denver was against him. Like Vic Fangio knows how to contain Mahomes, and he knows how to build a game plan to stop Kelsey. So, no, I think you're in for a huge disappointment if you're back on Kelsey. Plus, I think Kelsey's completely aged and can't create separation like he once did. We'll see. We'll see. This is the best part about it. I, I think that it's it's the it's the old Gronk, the old Gronk analogy. They were just saving him. And they saw that he's no longer the same guy that he was earlier in the year. Because, like, yo, early in the year, there were no issues, you know? And, like, this Taylor Swift stuff has gotten blown out of proportion. Like, people are blaming her and shit. I think that's crazy. I just think that Kelsey plays a position where he's in the trenches. And those guys get old quick, man. And we just saw it basically happen overnight. But... I'm gonna try. I'm gonna trust that they get the win, but I'm not betting plus, minus four and a half. I just think it's a trap. It feels fishy. It definitely could feel like it's a ten point game with you know Tua having the ball and then backdoor covering, and then it's you know it's it's twenty three twenty Kansas City, and you don't hit your bet. So I think Kansas City gets it done. They are at home, which definitely helps them. But from a betting standpoint, bro, maybe on the money line Kansas City, and I think they get it done. Yeah, I also want to mention I think. Kelsey's dealing with a lingering toe injury, and we know how frustrating toe injuries can be, especially a guy who's just such a smooth route runner and so good after a catch. Um, this was a very tricky game. I want to believe in Miami because I just I'm so down on Kansas City and I just love that Dolphins roster. But this game isn't good for them. Like, first off, Kansas City, you know it's playoff spags time. I'm talking all this stuff about Vic Fangio. You know playoff spags is here. And this Chiefs defense is still playing at a fantastic level. And Look, we got just the elephant. Tua's, he's getting predictable. Like, if you force Tua to throw outside numbers, it becomes a problem. If you take away the middle of the field, and Kansas City has plenty of playmakers in the middle of the field, they know how to shut down, Tua begins to struggle. So, between that, like, and then Miami can't, they don't much of a power running game. Like, if you can stop them horizontally, you pretty much got their running game because they just have no threat when it comes to the power game. So, 
I think Miami's offense could show. I think this is going to be very low scoring, by the way. Be prepared for defensive slugfest. I don't think either teams are going to – they might score 20, but it's going to be it's going to be a process. Like, it's there's going to take a lot of methodical drives. Like, I think it could be a kicking game at one point, too. And we know Bucker has that playoff experience mm-hmm. and, you know, rough weather experience. So, I am going Kansas City. I'm not thrilled about it, but it's just Miami's just too beat up right now. Like, I don't think their offense is going to produce enough. And um, – I think they have enough counters offensively. Like Miami, still they're kind of beat up. And look, if Eli Apple has to play a lot, I, someone's going to get a big play on him. I don't know what receiver. You know, hopefully it's Rasheed Rice because he's the only one I could trust to catch the ball. But Pat Mahomes, he he knows about Eli Apple, so I think at some point they'll probably get him. And if they can't say he does enough to win, and you know maybe it's going to be a big Pacheco game as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I I am looking at Pacheco anytime touchdown. Also, I think he has a monster game. Um, Remember, he he really solidified himself during the playoffs last year as a reliable guy on the ground, too. Um, I do want to mention before we wrap up with this conversation, 17-1 to 1 for the Miami Dolphins to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs, 10-1. to 1. Remember, this was the preseason favorite coming into the year. So this is the highest number that you could get the Chiefs all year. If you do like them, you are banking on, yo, I'm going to throw my money on the best player on the planet. Not a bad number, not a bad thought process behind that. Now, are the other pieces a little questionable like we broke down? Yeah, but I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it, bro. Like, dude, I'll be honest, bro. Everyone knows I got a lot of money on Buffalo as we segue, segue into Bill Steelers. I've been looking at how down we are on Chiefs and Eagles. Like, we are... This was the Super Bowl matchup last year, and both teams have a lot of concerns. And I'm still I'm looking at those numbers, bro. I'm looking at those numbers, Alan, and I think it's really appealing. It, please, please don't. No, okay. No, please, especially the Eagles. Please, okay. Don't. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. All right, yeah. Steelers, Bills. Uh, I'm gonna keep this short and sweet, bro. Can the Steelers win the Super Bowl? Nope. I don't have a case for them to win the Super Bowl, and it has to do with. The reason why they can't is I think it ends this week. And also, no TJ Watt. That's a big problem. In my opinion. And we don't know about Minka's status. Yeah, we don't know about Minka. In my opinion, he is the most valuable defensive player in the league. And the numbers back it. The Steelers are 1-10 without him. 1-6 in their last seven. And their defense, Allen, per football outsiders, 31st overall when he's not on the field. Like, you have the worst defense in the league <laughs> if he's not yeah, on the field. Man. Just not on the Like, dude can't yeah. even get a, a like, some, he can't get some Gatorade, bro. It's like, yo, we're going to be shit. You got to stay on the field. They need his presence. Yeah, that's crazy, bro. That's crazy. And you know what? And they got good edge rushers, too. Highsmith is a stud, and Marcus Gold's a good complimentary piece, but I do think this Steelers defense is very star dependent. Like, to me, their corners. Like I like Joey Porter Jr., but but he's young and he's and, raw. Yeah, yeah, and and their linebackers are a complete nightmare. Like this is a game. Like if there's anything with Dalton Kincaid, just go over. Like I think Dalton Kincaid explodes in this game. Yeah, and this game they're now ten point favorites. You have sixty percent of the money coming in on the Steelers because by default the pros are going to take double digits in the playoffs almost every single time. You have fifty five percent of the bets coming in on the Bills at minus 10. 
And like, bro, I just think of it as how is Pittsburgh going to be able to move the ball and put up points? Um, Buffalo at home. Bills Mafia is going to be crazy because they're potentially going to host two playoff games, bro, which is wild. This team was thinking they were going to go on the road and now they're at home. Everyone knows about my my love for Buffalo uh, after the midpoint season. I was trashing them all offseason. And shout out to Piz and, and J-Dub, my, my guys from the 716. They're like, yo, bro, now you're with us? It's like, yeah, now I'm with you because my money is on, is on you guys. And I'm really excited for it. But I think the case for and against the Buffalo Bills is the same exact thing. And it's Josh Allen. I think they can win the Super Bowl because they have Josh Allen. And I think they can't win the Super Bowl because they have Josh Allen. This dude is a turnover machine and it seems to come in. Actually, it doesn't come in bad scenarios because last week was his first red zone turnover all year. And I was tweeting about this, Allen, and I know I've expressed in the past how I feel about interceptions. He threw one of his interceptions was like a fourth down play. It was one of the coolest interceptions you ever see. Oh, like, that's okay. a video game interception. Yeah, that was dope. And, like, to me, I tweeted out, like, I don't mind that. That interception on fourth down and they got the ball at the 25, I'm cool with it, bro. I'm cool with it. The reason why I was pissed because he missed Kincaid in the flat. He easily could throw it to Kincaid. Right, yeah, for yeah, first yeah, so, yeah, that's yeah, what I was okay, aggravating. Yeah, like, you're right, ah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but it was a cool moment. But it's just yeah. like, you know, but look, you take your loss with Josh Allen. Look, he's as volatile as it gets, but, like, He's still superhuman and more times than not, you trust him to deliver. So And yo, you know, this just, is the time of year. This is the time of year where they run him also. They're right. gonna do and they're I gonna think Joe Barry's done a very good job. Yeah. We gotta give credit to Joe Barry. I like that Ken Dorsey got fired, but I think Joe Barry has really utilized the running game better. I love the fact that James Cook is becoming more of a centerpiece of offense. And hey man, they're getting playoff Lenny all riled up now. Playoff Lenny was getting carries last week. Uh, apparently he's ready to go. So uh, yeah, Buffalo. It's 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 exciting times. I think people should believe in them. Uh, if I want to just mention, if you can make a case against them, as good as their defense played, I still think it's hard to replace you know Matt Milano and Tre'Davious White. Like they just don't have that like firepower defensively right now. Like it's very schemed up, and it gets to the point like if they play a team like the Ravens, or even who knows a rematch against Miami if Miami's healthy, it could get dangerous. So mm-hmm. I like. This is a good matchup for them, but if they play a true elite offense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, They could get carved up. Yeah, and I also think 
You know, I was talking about it on the Monday show with Kenny. One of my one of my favorite bets, and you can find this on Wager Attack. You can find this on a lot of different sports books. Is players to lead the playoffs in yards, twelve to one for Stephon Diggs. I have a gut feeling either him or CD Lamb have a Fitzgerald two thousand eight type of run. Like I think they go they go crazy and they catapult their teams. And if you think about it, like they kind of have to, for their team to be good too. Like Gabe Davis got banged up and like playoff Gabe Davis is another real thing. Like this dude does really well in the playoffs. Doesn't make any sense. He'll go five games without getting a target in the regular season. And then he outshines Stefan Diggs in big moments. And he's a little hobbled. We don't know what his status is going to be heading into the game, but I think the minus 10 for Buffalo is my favorite play of the weekend. I'm not scared by the big number. I'm I'm predicting like 28 to 10, 28, 14. I think it's a rather comfortable game for the Buffalo Bills and and they move along to the next round. Yeah. It's it's gonna be a dominant win. The only chance Pittsburgh have while played, you got a couple of fluky turnovers and you know they make it ugly, but I don't think they could make it ugly enough to make this competitive. Buffalo wins this def- definitively. The if the Steelers win this game, it'll be they have they're 130 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. In comparison, this is what the Arizona Cardinals were to win the Super Bowl to start the year. So it's like if you're Buffalo, you lose this game, fire everybody. Everybody. Josh Allen, yeah. Diggs. Uh, uh, uh I'm, I'm getting crazy, I know. But like a uh, new franchise? McDermott, every you're yo, bringing, everybody gone. We're gonna bring in Belichick next. <laughs> And then you look at the Bills, just for context, right now, you, if you like Buffalo, you get them at plus 650 to win the Super Bowl. Okay, let's move on over to, I think, the funnest matchup of the weekend. Agreed. Game of the week. As cool as Rams-Lions is, I think this is, like, truly the best quality game. Bro, I'm really excited for this one. Packers going to the Cowboys. Now the Cowboys are minus eight. Eight-point favorites are the Dallas Cowboys. You're looking at this line, though. Just rule of thumb. Professional bettors are going to take two possession lines almost by default, right? Like, we broke down the Steelers game. 60% of the money is coming in on the Steelers plus 10. They're going to just blindly take that, right? Games are a little tighter. Games slow down in the playoffs. Now, when you're looking at the Packers, now they're up to 8 plus 8. 58% of the bets are coming in on the Packers. 85% of the money coming in on the Green Bay Packers and per action network, a registered 48,000 bets have been tracked. So this isn't just like a small sample size. This game has garnered the most action so far, Alan, per the action network. And I'm fascinated by this, bro, because I've been talking to both quarterbacks, both quarterbacks, top two in the league in touchdown passes this year. Since week 11, Jordan loves numbers. 18 touchdowns, one interception. You can make a case no one's playing quarterback better than number 10, great number, at the Green Bay Packers. And then on the flip side, you know, I made this case on Monday, and I would love to hear your thoughts. I'm not saying that Dak Prescott should be the MVP, though he does have great numbers and he has MVP numbers. My question to you is, do you think the MVP award or just awards in general have become you winning late and in big games? Because that's how I feel 
Lamar ended up snagging the MVP because he had a monster performance in a Monday night game against a great opponent, the Super Bowl favorite right now, plus 200 are the Niners. And then the next week, he has another dominant performance to put a stamp on it against a team in his, in his conference in the Miami Dolphins where Dak played like shitty teams in the sense of it wasn't prime time. It wasn't a big spot. Thoughts on that? Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I you know, obviously look, that Bills game really diminished his stock. It was such an ugly loss and Dak got riled in that game. Um, we know about the 49ers Sunday night game. So just like in those big spots, like, I don't know, when you look at the Cowboys and then you look at the Miami game as well, you know, the offense couldn't quite score enough. It's just, and the Eagles game, which was like his one high profile uh, dominant performance, like the Eagles defense, we kind of think, kind of know what they are at this point. Like, I thought he played really well against Detroit. That was probably the one big game. I'm like, wow, he was making some tight window throws. He was firing all cylinders, even though Detroit gave him some problems. But yeah, look, ultimately it comes down to big games. Like when you got to deliver against the contenders, that's what they're going to look at. And, you know, Lamar got hot the best time. And while uh, more times than not this year, unfortunately, the Cowboys fell short in those big games. That Buffalo game in particular, I think, really damaged the stock. And I don't think he could have recovered from that. That's a great take. I agree with you. I agree with you. I forgot about that Buffalo game. He did look pretty bad. <laughs> it looked pretty bad yeah. for Dak in that offense. I mean, he couldn't get the ball either because yeah. Buffalo just was running the ball for like 250 times. So I didn't help either, but it just when they had the ball, more times not, he was under rest and he just didn't hold company. I mentioned Jordan Love and his numbers. I think that's the case for them potentially winning the Super Bowl. Um, they get Aaron Jones back too which they didn't really have him throughout the whole year, like fully healthy. I mean, Aaron Jones has been back. I mean, man, he he's looking fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is the yeah, Aaron yeah. Jones that we've grown accustomed yeah. to. Like, there's no there's no side effects. Like, he, he's been great. Right. And uh, I think the case against them is Joe Barry in this defense, especially in this matchup. And if, you know, one thing that always gets left out whenever we do any breakdown, uh, and it's not just us, just in general, is like special teams. Where special teams in the playoffs right now remaining are the Green Bay Packers per DVOA. I feel like they've had the worst special teams for like several years now. Yeah. yeah. It's always a thing with them. Like it just, it's bizarre. Like I think, what was it? The last season, even like talk about just like a punt return here and there, a block punt, block kick. Like it just seems like they've had those issues for a while. Yeah. I do want to mention though, like as great as their offense is, I do think youth has affected them at times. Like you even saw in the Chicago game, Tucker Kraft not getting out of bounds. Uh, Jordan Love throwing the middle of the field. Like it's just these situational moments where youth kind of shows up and they make a mental error or you know, the attention details isn't quite there. And that's just going to happen because Green Bay pretty much said, you know, we don't really want veterans you know, outside of Aaron Jones and maybe AJ Dillon. Yeah. The whole offense is young. So, that's why I would also just, as great as their offense is right now, I do want to knock it there where it's just you know, lack of experience. Because in these games, you know, one to two plays makes a difference. And if they don't get that bounce in a two-minute situation, you lose by three points, like, it matters. So that's why I mentioned that. But, yeah, like you mentioned, Joe Barry, though. That's a big uh, red flag. Uh, I know Packer fans are like, just please, let's get to the offseason at some point and get a real DC. I think the case for the Dallas Cowboys, bro, Man, I know I shit on him a lot and I shit on this team a lot come this time of year. 
Uh, I love that they got to the two seed because you're going to have those two games potentially in Dallas, um, which we know how much better you are at home. Bro, I think Dak Prescott right now at this very moment might be the best quarterback in the NFL uh, for how he's playing right now, total package this whole year. Like 2023, I think Dak has been the best quarterback. And I think C.D. Lamb is having a special season where, like, yo, he he almost led the the league in receiving yards out of nowhere. Like, it was Tyree Kill for so long, and then, like, C.D. kind of crept up on him. He actually took the lead going into that Sunday night football game. He was he was winning that. Um, and I think, like, he could have that Fitzgerald-type run like I was talking about it, dude. Like, I really think C.D. Lamb could have, like, a monster. Look, he wants to get paid this offseason, too. Not that he hasn't justified it. I'm saying, like... Yeah. You know, this is a $30 million, a $30 million wide receiver a year right now. And they're going to have those two games potentially at home. And then, yo, you know what, dude? I've been thinking, man, like, they're not better than San Francisco at all. And they got their shit punched in when they played them. But you know what, dude? They only need to be better than them one time. And if they match up with them, I think they're the, 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 best, the best opponent for the Niners to lose would be the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and kind of like with Miami, like Dallas has players that literally can just turn the game yeah. over in one play. Like Both sides of the ball. Changes. We know them. Yeah, we know Michael Parsons and Deron Bland. Bland. Demarcus Lawrence has had a rebirth year. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, he's always been a playmaker. So the Cowboys, look, we know offensively, but defensively, you know, they, I think they were among the league leaders in uh, turnovers. Like You know they're going to generate big plays. So. And these types of games, like three or four, just can make a difference. So that's why, you know, even though they're pretty flawed defensively up front and just play off Mike McCarthy, you just can't trust them. Like this, this Cowboys team is flawed, but I think personnel wise, they're one of the best in the league. And when you have that many elite players or you know, players that could just produce a 60 yard play out of nowhere, you know, they have to be taken seriously. What do you like in this game? This is another tough one. I'm still going with Dallas. I think Green Bay is a legitimate threat. Like I put Jordan Love right now in that CJ Stroud category. Like he's the next one. He's just someone that does not get riled, even when the pressure's caving in. He makes those throws, like just a sidearm. Like he doesn't need a clean pocket operate. He's just gonna fade back, throw it sidearm, and he'll connect with a Bo Melton who was apparently on a practice squad all year. I don't know how the team has did not sign him, but like these receivers, they're gonna get out there. I love Wicks, Jaden Reed. I think Jaden Reed's one of those playmakers that we're going to be talking about the next five years. He is very dynamic, and it wouldn't surprise me if he burst out a couple of explosives in this one. But Dallas, I just think they have too much firepower offensively, and they'll get enough defensive stops. Yeah, I'm with you. I do like the plus eight for Green Bay just because of the offense and how well Jordan Love is playing. And look, man, that's that's the nature of a first-year starter and how he plays. And he does have a lot of Aaron Rodgers in him, like the, the flick of the wrist and those like off-balance throws that he yeah. makes and those ropes, back shoulders and whatnot. I think it's going to be a fun matchup. It's definitely the game that I'm the most excited about from just like an X's and O's. I'm leaning towards Dallas. I'm thinking like, you know, 31-24. I think it could be high scoring. And I think I think the Cowboys, but the Cowboys will be like in control, I think, of the whole game. and then. Maybe you get that backdoor cover. At least that's what I'm betting on because I did take the Packers plus eight. But I do think that Dallas ends up prevailing. All right, let's uh, speed up just a little bit because I know you got a you got a pretty hard out here. Um, 
I think the matchup that everyone's the most excited about from a storyline standpoint is definitely the one that's happening in Detroit Sunday Night Football. You got the Rams going to play the Detroit Lions. Obviously, we've been talking about this. Like six weeks ago, I was saying like, yo, fantasy booking, it'd be fire if Stafford got to go play the Rams. But yo, you know what, man? Someone in the Discord was like, what about Jared Goff? You don't think Jared Goff is going to be fired up? Like, bro, they they turned their back on me. They got rid of me kind of thing. Like, you don't think so? That's the revenge game, though. Yeah. No, this is the, like Stafford, there's no ill will. Like to me, uh, Jared Goff is the one that has yeah. all the revenge here. And I know you'll appreciate this. Shout out to Nate's type from The Athletic. He basically said Sean McVay, Marty Jannetty, Jared Goff. Whoa. I, yeah, listen, you, you give me a wrestling reference, brother. It's, 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 it's the Rumble is coming up. It's Mania season. I'm all in. Yeah, think about the like Jackoff got complete cast away. And I don't want to go back to Miami, but I do wonder at some point if Mike McDowell might do the same to Tua, where it's just like, you're not good enough. I need to buy an upgrade. Uh, like, that's what pretty much happened. And McVay called his shot, and Stafford won the Super Bowl. Credit Goff, he's very resilient. He showed great fortitude and getting to where he's at now. But, you know, to me, it's just, this is all on Goff. I know it's a great homecoming for Stafford, but Detroit loves Matthew Stafford. Uh, if anything, Jared Goff has a huge point to prove against, you know, someone that essentially said you're not good enough for me. I love, I love how you spun that. Love how you spun that. Because yeah. yeah, you're right. Like Stafford was, they did him a favor. <laughs> he leaves and then he wins the Super yeah. Bowl, where the other guy leaves and then his team wins the Super Bowl. You're like, holy shit, was I really holding them back? So yeah, it's gonna be interesting, man. I think the case for the Rams, dude. The case for the Rams. And as I was talking about the Cowboys before being the only team that could beat the Niners. I completely forgot about the Rams because all my friends that are 49ers fans out here, bro, and there's a pretty big, like, pocket of Niner fans here in Las Vegas. They're like, yo, we don't want to play the Rams, bro. Like, the Rams, obviously, it's in division. Uh, we know about playing each other. Yeah. And, and But, like, also now, dude, I think this there's offense. There's a very good chance they're going to play each other. Right, right. And this offense is yeah. way better than the one that won the Super Bowl. I don't even think it's debatable. Yeah, I'm thinking about it now. Better running game, better weapons. Yeah. Damn. And this is, and look, and everyone knows I've been pro Odell Beckham. They don't win the Super Bowl without, without him because they don't get to the Super Bowl right. without Odell. And Triple Crown, Cooper Cup. But now Puka broke all the rookie records. You got a running game with Kieran Williams. Stafford looks healthy. Offensive line playing a lot better than people expected. You still have Cooper Cup. You got a random 2-2 Outwell going deep for 50 yards. You get Robinson, who scored like a touchdown in six straight games at one point this year. Like this offense is really good. And I think that it's not being spoken about at all, bro, or, or much. They're the hottest team in the NFC. They're 7-1 and one in their last eight. And their only loss is to Baltimore in overtime, which they're the only team yeah. that played Baltimore well this year. Mm-hmm. So this team is dangerous. I think the knock against them would be that their defense gets smoked by the pass. So this is a good matchup for both teams, like because both teams like to throw. And even though the, the they both have discovered a running game too throughout the year, like, both teams, like, Goff and Stafford should have over 300 yards, I think, by, like, halftime. Like, they should be able to do whatever they want through the air. I would be a little cautious on that just because I think Dan Campbell realizes his defense is not built 
to stop him, he might have more ball control. Like this could be a, Ooh, a Dave Montgomery game. I like this. Yeah. Look, Detroit can run the ball. They know how to punish teams. And I think he's starting to recognize that this defense, we can't have them on the field that much because otherwise they're just going to get torn apart. Unless Aiden Hutchinson creates pressure. I know they got Gardner Johnson back. He's a big addition. And I think Alan McNeil, who's had a emerging, you know, he's, he's broke out this year, is good. But Detroit just does not have much to stop him. So I, I could see them trying to slow the game down and just running the ball. I, I do want to mention that. Well, yeah, and, and that's that's the thing that I wrote down for the reason why I think they can win the Super Bowl. It's in the playoffs, I think they have the best offensive line, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and they can run the ball which is what you want this time of year and a way to protect Jared Goff too. If they have to go outdoors and play a San Francisco, um, Dallas would be indoors. So that would bode well for them. I think the case against them is dude, even though he's a rookie, he was the best tight end this year, Sam Laporta, like start to finish. There was not a better tight end than him. And he got hurt in a game that was borderline meaningless for the lions. Yeah. I know Campbell and, and that staff got a lot of heat for that. But when you dive into it also, Alan, only St. Brown had more catches that led to first downs on the Lions than Sam Laporta. So he was a security blanket, and he was able to make a lot of plays. And obviously, you know the matchups with tight ends. It's always a huge advantage for you. Um, I think that's a that's something to definitely monitor. And that's the reason why I think that they can. And obviously, I was talking about the defense. Like, I think their defense can be had. and. That's why it's a fascinating matchup between the two offenses. Yeah, like, like both these defenses, they need to spend on corners. Like both teams, like I like Brian Branch, but besides that, both these teams, they're, just, they're lacking a corner. Uh, both teams also have linebackers that don't really add much. So it's like, don't get me wrong, they got some records up front. Like I think it, it's good for the Rams now. They're not overly dependent on Don. Obviously, Don's still phenomenal, but you know, Byron Young, uh, Ruby Turner, like they've really emerged. And I think Detroit has more than just Aiden Hutchinson as well. So their D-lines can get after it, but oof, these secondaries, you're going to see a lot of open plays. And oh, yeah. you know, this is, I think, the game easily with the biggest shootout potential. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see one of these teams crack the 40-burger. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, you're just looking at, like, both teams got guys that could house the ball from, like, the 50-yard line often. You know, like, they got a lot of playmakers yeah. here. I will say, from a betting standpoint, this line is at three and a half. I'm not, I'm not scared of everybody being on the Rams because last couple of years, we've had this happen. Last year, everybody was on the New York Giants to beat the Vikings. They were the most heavily wagered team from a tickets standpoint. They ended up winning outright. And from some pro bettors that I've talked to out here, they're on the same side. They like the Rams to win this game outright. I think that the Rams do win this game outright. So I'm picking the LA Rams. They're currently 50-1 to to win the Super Bowl. Lions are 22 to one to win the Super Bowl. What do you think? It pains me because I, I love this. You like the Lions. I love Dan Campbell, Ben Johnson. Like this team is just what they've done this year by far to me, like one of the most enjoyable teams in the league. Like you have to love what they do, but this is a horrible matchup. Their secondary just scares me the, the worst way. I just don't know how they could stay in front of, you know, cup, Puka and, you know, just and you just have to love the mastery of Sean Payton, like uh, Sean Payton, Sean McVay, excuse me. 
It just the Rams offense, they're firing all cylinders. And if Stafford has a clean pocket, which I expect him to have for a good portion of the game, because you know they're going to double-team Hutchinson. They're going to slide their protection to Hutchinson. Like, McVay will scheme this up, right? And you know Raheem Morris, who knows Jared Goff quite well, is going to bring all sorts of pressure. And we know how much Goff struggles on pressure. If the Lions have to play from behind, it's going to be a huge problem. Like, they have to play in front to somehow win this game. But to me, I don't think – and also – I don't even know, even in a shootout with Laporta out being out, do they have enough firepower to keep up with the Rams? So, uh, unfortunately, with the Lions, just, I don't think they have enough for this one. I'm going with the Rams, and I think the Rams are built to really pose a threat to whoever they play in the NFC. Couldn't agree with you more. I'm on the Rams also. I think it's been a great story with the Lions, what they've built and what they're continuing to build. But I think I think it's just a terrible matchup for them. And, it should uh, be more, man. Ah, oh. Yeah. Carson Wentz, why'd you have to do that? You could have got Lions Packers, and I think I would have felt slightly better. But then again, it would have ruined this phenomenal matchup. So yeah, yeah, it would have ruined two matchups, right? Because like we really like that Packers yeah. and Cowboys game too. All right, let's wrap up with the game on Monday, Monday Night Football. The Eagles are now three point favorites on the road, going up against the Tampa Bay Bucks. I want to mention that the Tampa Bay Bucks have the longest odds to win the Super Bowl of any team in the NFC despite winning their division. They are 95-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. To add context, it's the same odds that the Chicago Bears had to win the Super Bowl at the start of the season. And Allen's Atlanta Falcons close by at 90-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl at the start of the year. Okay, <clears throat> on the flip side, the Eagles, they, you could get them at 17-1, to 1, the same odds as the Miami Dolphins to win the Super Bowl. Allen, the reason why the Eagles can win the Super Bowl, offense and defensive line, the combination of both, clearly the best in the playoffs. And that weighs a lot this time of year. I don't, I don't see that. Who do Maybe you their offensive line, but that, de- that defensive line is nowhere near the same. Like, they don't generate the same amount of pressure. Yeah, as great as uh, Carter is, like, I think Graham's aged. Hassan Reich doesn't make quite the same impact. This Eagles team's broken. I don't think they're any sort of threat, and I would be stunned if they win this game. I think this is a totally destroyed team right now. Yeah, and I don't think Sirianni should be fired. Yeah, one in five coming into the playoffs, bro, so you might be onto something. Yeah, like, I don't think Sariana should be fired, but he's absolutely should be on the hot seat. I think they need to take a real strong check of who the coordinator is going to be next year because I think they're poorly coached offensively, and they just have nothing defensively right now. Like, it's, it's to me, one of the worst units in the league, and it's so easy to get open against them. And, and you know, say what you want about Tampa, but they have playmakers, and Dave Canal is one of the better play callers in the league, and I think they could get – they. Tampa's going to create some chunk plays in this one. I just, I don't know how you watch Philly right now and feel any sort of confidence with them. From how they're coached to how the defense is playing, they can't tackle. Like, it's, it's there's nothing to be encouraged about with the Eagles. Yeah, and their defense has been struggling. And now they get the reason why I think the Bucs can win this game and the Super Bowl. I mean, Godwin and Edmonds can just go on a run and they can beat any secondary in the playoffs that they'll run into. They've done it before. And then Baker's having a career year, man. This is the best we've ever seen Baker. And I know he got hurt last game, and he's going to play, but you know how healthy is he going to be? I think this is a dangerous matchup for the Eagles for sure. But it also wouldn't surprise me, and I hate doing this playing both sides, but 
It wouldn't surprise me if they go in there and just dominate Tampa Bay also. I don't think the Eagles are capable of dominating anyone. Like, think about who they played. They played the Giants, the Cardinals. They have been playing shit teams, should... too, yeah. They, and they haven't dominated and them. Then, yeah, you're right. And to dominate, you got to get defensive stops. Like, there was one point between the Cardinals game and the Giants game, 10 possessions. They allowed touchdowns, seven of those drives. Yeah. Like, like outside of a fluky turnover that Kyler threw off a miscommunication with, I think it was Greg Dorch, like, they just have nothing defensive with the Eagles. So, uh, the best hope, because, uh, I, 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 look, the Eagles still have star power. I'm going to be wrong. But they got to get their really back to running the ball. You could run this Tampa team. Vitave is not the same player. Levante David is older. Devin White has been inconsistent. Like, they have to trust their running game. And maybe Hurts, okay, he's injured. But let if, if you don't want to give DeAndre Swift 20 carries, then give Kenneth Gable some time. Activate Rashad Penny for all I care. But if, you're, if the Eagles are going to somehow win a game, they got to trust their running game more because I just Hurts, is, he seems out of sync right now. A.J. Brown's banged up, and their offensive schemes are just play-calling-wise very lackluster. And it's just – I think they got to start to paying on the run. And also, let's just mention, Todd Bowles, one of the blitz-heavy defensive schemes in the league, and we know how much Hurts struggles against the blitz. So that's another reason why the Eagles are going to have some chance to win this game. They have to really start running the ball more. Yeah, you know, it's funny how – perceptions like I was talking about this on the Monday show too with with like the quarterbacks right like just in general if you're a first round quarterback you're gonna have a lot more leeway or if you're the number one overall pick like dude Daniel Jones has two more career wins than Trevor Lawrence um and it's like the the stigma yeah the stigma though like coming in was like yo you're taking a quarterback from Duke like this isn't it's not a shooting guard bro (laughs) like you know, it was that mm-hmm. stigma that was attached to Daniel Jones. And then Trevor Lawrence was the golden boy. He was sunshine. He was a you know, national championship at Clemson and all this stuff. And it's like, they're kind of having the same careers if you just look at the QBA, QBB, right? And the reason why I say that is because, like, Tampa Bay all these years, we've just been thinking about their defense. Like, you can't run on their defense. Like, no, you got to throw on their defense. It's like, nah, it's kind of flipped. Like, Winfield makes a lot of plays in that secondary now, bro. Like, Winfield is a baller, Winfield Jr. And their front seven is not as dominant as it was, oh, even last year. So, you're right. I think DeAndre Swift is going to have to get it going, and I think they got to run Jalen Hurts more, too. Um, Curious if, like, a report comes out after the year that, like, Hurts has been battling some chronic injury on, like, a shoulder or something because it seems like his play hasn't been good. Like, he hasn't had a good year this year either. But from a fantasy standpoint, dude scored all these touchdowns that people are like, oh, yo, he did great. It's like, mm, not really. Not throwing the ball he did. Those short yard situations. Oh, you know, easy six points. Yeah, and also, like, dude, you know, it happened to Cam Newton also. Cam, Cam was the man diving over people and bulldozing people and taking all these hits at the goal lines and short yardage. I mean, you saw how that played into his career. Eventually, you can't do that. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts, obviously, a different example, but just something to monitor, man. Josh Allen, the same thing. Like, totally different quarterback, different game, but it's just something that's that's always on my mind whenever I'm looking at these guys. But let's wrap it up with these picks, One last thing about the Eagles. Yeah, I just want to mention one last thing the Eagles because it seems like I'm totally writing them off. I will say, like, they still have a locker room full of veterans that yeah. are going to hold players accountable, and you can't discount their experience with, 
Fletcher Cox, Brian Graham, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. Like these are you know, some these guys have been through it all. So that's why I'm not. I want to totally write off the Eagles because look, they have players in that locker room that you know can hold players accountable and just provide that leadership. Is what you need to win the playoffs. So and look, the Eagles saw the star power. You know, we talked about dynamic duels when AJ Brown, Devontae Smith are on. They're on and. Dallas Goddard is definitely a threat as well. And, hey, I don't know if it's called a revenge game, but, you know, Julio had two touchdowns not too long ago. If he could pop up in this game, sure, let's do it. Why not? Julio had a long history of dominating the Bucs, so, you know, let's get funky with that. You don't got to tell me twice about Julio anything. I'm looking at it right now. Bro, do you know how many people hit me up? Because someone threw $5 on him to score two touchdowns in that game, and he was 90-1. to And the amount of people that tagged me were like, yo, was this you? I was like, no, it wasn't, but it should have been. I betrayed my my boy Julio. I betrayed him, and I didn't bet him there. But uh, Julio Jones, plus 450, anytime touchdown. Alan, I'm in. I've made worse decisions in my life. Julio! We're back, baby. Revenge game. If they get in the red zone, man, watch him. They they like getting to the red zone. Let's go, bro. That just got me hyped. What a way to end it. Haven't heard a Julio mention on this pod for far too long. And we're back, baby. Who who are you picking? I think I'm going to go with Philly. I don't know why. I just have a gut feeling. I think that... I think this is what they played for this type of time of the year. Um, obviously, they would have liked to win the division. But could have had way worse matchups being a wild card than playing Tampa Bay. And I think this is a good, I think it's a good sign for them. And I think they're going to get it together Monday night. I'm taking Philly. All right. I'm going Tampa. I okay. can't trust Philly right now. I think they're playmakers. Watch out Rashad White because the Eagles can't tackle and Rashad White's very elusive. So I think that and Bowles is going to blitz the hell out of Hurts. And uh, we mentioned Anton Winfield. Love that you mentioned him. He's playing like an all pro. Wouldn't surprise me if he got turnover too. So I think Tampa wins and... Uh, crisis in Philly. Just get ready for it. Yeah, it's going to be rough in Philly. Uh, it's going to be rough if they do, if they, if your prediction is correct. So, hey man, this was dope, dude. Uh, I love the episode that we put together. It was, it was great having you on. Let the people know what you're working on and what they could find. Uh, Alan Sturk, A-L-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. I just worked on a long form piece on how the Arthur Smith era just completely crumbled and why they had no other choice to let him go. So got that going on and, you know, just trying to see what this team's going to do. Um, it seems like they're going to go high rolling, gonna go out for Belichick or Harbaugh. So I'm going to be covering that on that. Damn, Harbaugh would be fire. I would oh, love it. Oh, yeah. Harbaugh would be dope. He's a control freak, but, hey, he brings success to an organization. A guy like him has, has every right to be a control freak. Yeah. Damn, that'd be sick. At Nick Day is 10 as you can find me. All things Veterans Minimum or at Veterans Minimum. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. In his element, I'm a gold medalist. Bronze like your medalist. So many deer in headlights, but it's bedtime. Hear that supper bell, main course, beat of venison. Zab. Most dangerous game. Either kill or be killed.